Welcome to Country Christian. Let's uh, bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We just uh, ask that you be here with us and just guide our service and uh, let us worship to you. Help us worship you, Lord. We just thank you for all you do for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I got opening. I found out that I got opening when I got here. Last weekend, Dwight had the opening, and I thought, ah, good, Zach's not up there, I follow Zach. He did it for Zach. (laughs) I have no scripture. Uh, I read plenty about it this week, because uh, I'm dealing with it a little bit. Working on Sunday. You know, I do spraying for a living, and I worked on Monday, not Tuesday, not Wednesday, not Thursday, not, I mean... Not Friday, Saturday again. Yesterday I worked. I am, I am behind. And so this whole week I'm thinking, I got so many acres to do. I know I'm going to have to do something on Sunday. I don't work on Sunday. I haven't worked on Sunday in years. I mean, it was probably 15 to 20 years ago the last time I worked on Sunday because they had to get planting done and I had to do the pre-emergent. And, uh, you know, I don't have scripture because I read it, but I eh, go to the next scripture, kind of look it up on my phone, you know, scripture about working on Sunday. And, you know, back in uh, Jesus, back when Jesus was still here on earth, you know, that was a, 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 an offense that you could die for working on Sunday. In fact, they wanted to kill Jesus for he- healing a man on Sunday and questioning his disciples why they're walking through the wheat field. And I mean, how simple a thing. But they said that's work. And uh, Jesus said, if your sheep fell into, the, into a ravine, would you not pull it out on the Sabbath? I mean, I think it's kind of a common sense thing, you know, a little bit there. There's some things that, I mean, it's not work, but, you know, save your sheep heal somebody, pray for somebody. That's not work. I mean, we expect our pastor to get up here on Sunday. That's his work. And, uh, but, I mean, even in the 1800s, you'd end up in in the stocks, you know, for working on Sunday. Now it seems like uh, we have to work on Sunday. I mean, we leave this church and go out to eat and expect the waiters and everybody to be working. I mean, I know there's plenty of Christians that have to work on Sunday. I mean, that's the job you have, and that's what's expected of you. So I don't, I don't uh, work on Sunday, and I don't allow any of my trucks out working on Sunday because I know another guy that said, I, never, I wish I never would have started. Now I'm expected to work on Sunday. And, uh, but the Lord blesses us. Uh, I mean, the, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That's what he says. And uh, I think that's how it goes. Anyhow, uh, he blesses us. I walk out this morning knowing I'm not, I've made that choice. I'm not going to work on Sunday. Walk out this morning, cup of coffee, beautiful out. I mean, I start going, why, Lord? I mean, make it windy on Sunday. So I don't have any questions. But he uh, gives us that rest we need. I mean, it's it's for us, and uh, if we take advantage of it, I, I, like I said, sitting on the porch drinking a cup of coffee with my wife, it's awesome. It's beautiful. Normally at that time in the morning, I'm 
in the cab, you know, going. Miss everything. Feels like I miss everything. Uh, man, there's something I wanted to say. And I'm, so, uh, like I said, I had this whole week of wind. Worked two days this week. And, I mean, Lord's blessed me well. I mean, it, I can get the job done, or most of my job's done, but there's always that one or two that they've been, the water's been off for all week waiting for me to get there, and they want it sprayed so they can get their water back on. Yesterday, you know, I had plans of how I was going to, I got to rinse out the trucks between one job and the next because this chemical kills this crop, and vice versa. And Kyle calls me and says, uh, something broke on the water truck. And he's got a video of just gushing water. And I'm like, what? Of course, that was at 4 o'clock last night, 4.30. Everybody closes at noon on Saturday. It's, just, it's, it's almost as bad as Sunday because you expect them to be open. At least on Sunday, you know the parts place isn't going to be open. And I kind of thought, Wow. That keeps me from working on Sunday because I was thinking about after church going to work, <laughs> go do that one job. In fact, I thinking about it, I talked to Ken this week. We were talking about work, working on Sunday too. But, you know, the farmer, the crop's got to be brought in. I mean, rain's coming on Monday, that hay's ready on Saturday or Sunday. Just, uh, you got to do what you got to do. I think, the, like I said, I think it's common sense because... The Lord showed us God himself rested on Sunday to show us, you know, you know God doesn't have to rest on Sunday. He could have done it all in one day just by the word of his mouth, but he showed us to work up, work the week, and then take the weekend off to enjoy, to, you know, go to church, spend time with him. I mean, dedicated time with him and with each other, with our brethren. Well, I'll, uh, that's all I got. I'll bless the, or ask uh, the worship team to come up. I'll pray for you guys. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the worship team. We just thank you for their, their, their desire to lead us in song, Lord. We just ask that you be with us. Just guide us. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And welcome. If you're visiting, if the first time you've been here, we want to welcome you. Um, We've been hearing a lot about not knowing what we can believe and not knowing who to believe or what we listen to. And, and I just want to again reiterate that right here is what we can believe. You can base your life on this right here. This is the truth. And in it, a couple weeks ago, I said that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you can emphasize any one of those words if you want to. And this morning, I'm hearing the word truth being emphasized. This is where we can find the truth. We're going back into Judges this morning. Judges chapter 12. The stories that have happened, the history that has happened here that we read about just keeps getting more and more interesting all the time. Uh, so uh, just to recap a little bit, last week we talked about Jephthah and his victory that he had, and then when he came home, he had to fulfill the vow that he had gave the Lord if he were to succeed in this victory, essentially cutting off, of, cutting off his family line. Because the, his daughter, as we talked about last week, was the first one that came out of the house, 
and uh, he said he would sacrifice whatever came out of his house first. I still can't understand why he did that, but that's where he was at. That's where he found himself. And so now uh, Jephthah has had victory in battle over the people of Ammon, but he kind of has lost hope with his family, it sounds like, with having to give his daughter up. We're going to read, I'm actually, I think I'll read chapter 12, um, the whole thing to start with. If you want to join me, Judges chapter 12. Then the men of Ephraim gathered together, crossed over towards Zaphon, and said to Jephthah, why did you cross over to fight against the people of Ammon and did not call us to go with you? We will burn your house down on you with fire. And Jephthah said to them, My people and I were in in a great struggle with the people of Ammon. And when I called you, you did not deliver me out of their hands. So when I saw that you would not deliver me, I took my life in my hands and crossed over against the people of Ammon. And the Lord delivered them into my hand. Why then have you come up to me this day to fight against me? Now Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought against Ephraim. And the men of Gilead defeated Ephraim because they said, You Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Manassites. The Gileadites seized the fords of the Jordan before the Ephraimites arrived. And when any Ephraimite escaped, who escaped said, Let me cross over, the men of Gilead would say to him, Are you an Ephraimite? And if he said no, then they would say to him, Then say Shibboleth. And he would say Sibboleth, for he could not pronounce it right. Then they would take him and kill him at the fords of the Jordan. There fell at that time 42,000 Ephraimites, and Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then Jephthah and the Gileadite died and was buried among the cities of Gilead. After him, Ibzan of Bethlehem judged Israel. He had 30 sons, and he gave away 30 daughters in marriage and brought in 30 daughters from elsewhere for his sons. He judged Israel seven years. Then Ibzan died and was buried at Bethlehem. After him, Elon, the Zebulonite, judged Israel. He judged Israel ten years, and Elon, the Zebulite, died and was buried at Ajalon in the country of Zebulun. After him, Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Pirithonite, judged Israel. He had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 young donkeys. He judged Israel eight years. Then Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Pirithonite, died and was buried in Pirithon in the land of Ephraim in the mountains of the Amalekites. Judges chapter 12. So Jephthah has just come off of a major victory. He's taking care of the people of Ammon. And he comes back, and the people of Ephraim are a little upset. They're a lot upset. Now, if you remember back to when we were talking about Gideon, the same people were upset with him as well as to not allowing Uh, them to help. However, they went a little bit farther with Jephthah, and they're questioning him and said, why didn't you ask us? And we're going to come, and we're going to burn your house down with you in it, which is really ironic because in reality, we just learned in the previous chapter that Jephthah's family has already been stopped. His line, his family line has already been stopped, so burning his house down with him in it, yes, it would end his life, but his, his family tree is already over because of the vow that he had made before the battle. What, what, I'm, what I'm wanting to get to just a little bit with this is I, I, I look at it, and this is the people of Gilead and the people of Ephraim, and one lives on one side of the Jordan River and one lives on the other side of the Jordan River, but they're the people of Israel. And it's just really interesting to, interesting to me that they, are, they have just won this battle, and they're already bickering 
with one another. Why didn't you invite me? I want to be a part of what's going on. Just because you didn't invite me, I'm going to burn down your house. I mean, what kind of, what kind of fellow countryman is that? It doesn't sound like the kind that really get along very well. Why are they fighting among themselves? It's no wonder that they can't get the people in the land of Canaan thrown out. They can't defeat them because they can't even agree themselves. They can't even agree among themselves. These are God's people. These are God's chosen people. And they're fighting among themselves. And I couldn't help but getting to that point and jumping back to James chapter 4. I know I taught through James last year, but we're going back to James chapter 4 for just a little bit. Because this is happening to the children of Israel But the problem is it happens today way too often with the church. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your own desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet do you do not have because you do not ask. You a- yet you do, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns Jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The children of Israel back in Judges are fighting amongst themselves. There's no way they're going to unite. There's no way they're going to come together to conquer the land if they can't get along between each other. The enemy today is alive and well. We've been hearing about it just a little bit. This whole uh, pandemic thing has created more division in our world today, in our churches today, in every aspect of our lives today. And you know what? That's exactly what the enemy wanted. It's working exactly the way that he wanted it, that he hoped maybe it possibly would, because we have more division. And when a house is divided, it cannot stand. We are the church. This isn't This isn't the church. We are the church. We are building the kingdom of God. And if we can't learn to get along with each other, what is the world? Why would the world want anything to do with it? Because all they can see, and sometimes all they can see is the same thing that's happening in other places, is that, well, they don't get along. I don't know why I'd want to be part of that group. I don't don't know why I'd want to be associated with uh, the Christian people or the people that believe in Jesus, the people that believe the word of God is true, I don't know why I'd want to be associated with them because they don't get along any better than anybody else. In my mind, that is a little bit sad. Not a little bit, that's a lot sad that we can't get along. This is going to lead, I won't be speaking next week, we get a break next week, but the following week, this is going to be leading into the five fundamental things that we believe. I have five. I like to go over those about once a year. It's been two years since I've gone over those. But this is, this is leading into that. In two weeks, we're going to be talking about that. But these guys aren't getting along. They're fighting. I'm going to come burn your house down. Is that how we respond to somebody that we don't get along with? Well, if you don't give me what I want, I'm going to come burn your house down. I'm going to come tear all your grapes out of the ground if you don't give me what I want. Why would you do that? Why would you talk to your own 
people that way? Why would you talk to you, your brothers? These, these people were the children of Israel as a whole. Right now, we're talking about brothers in Christ. Whether you attend this church or another church, if you believe that the word of God is true, and we'll be talking about these in a couple weeks, but if we believe these things the same, then we believe the same. There's a lot of other things that we may view differently. We may read the scripture. We may interpret it differently. The Holy Spirit may lead us in a little bit different direction, but they don't matter in the face of salvation. Those are the, that's what's important. And let's not forget what's important. That's what is important. The important thing is, we just came through Easter, the time when we celebrate Christ's resurrection. That's what's important, is that Jesus died, he rose again, and he has forgiven us of our sins. We heard it from young people today. That they're excited and they want to tell everybody what Jesus has done for them. Let's focus on the things that we do agree on. Instead, we focus on the things that we don't agree on. And in the meantime, we split churches. We create new meetings. We create new religions or whatever you want to call it. We create all these new things because we can't agree on something. And if I can't agree with you, I want to do it my way, and you want to do it your way, then you go start yours and I'll go start mine. That is not what God had in mind. Who's the last person that, God, that, God, that Jesus ate with when he, lived, when he was walking on the earth? It was the person that betrayed him. I don't mention books up here very often, but I'm listening to one right now by Bob Goff that's called Everybody Always. He's got two books. This is the one I'm listening to. Several people that are right now. His point is, Jesus came to love everybody always. Not just the people that we're comfortable with, not just the people that we agree with or we get along with because we all get along with certain people and there's other people that we maybe don't get along with quite so well, but Jesus didn't come for us to love the people that we can get along with. He came for us. He came to show us the example to love everybody always, period. Not in this case, not but, no, there's no, there's no more to add to that. We are called to love everybody Always, we don't have to condone the way people live. We don't have to okay everything because the Bible, we believe, is still true. And there are consequences for sin, which we all live under. But we are called to love everybody always. So the people of Ephraim and Gilead are not getting along at all. And unfortunately, in the church today, in the world today, there is division, division, division. Divide and conquer. I always thought I wanted to get the clip from It's a Bug's Life. I didn't get it put up there. The grasshoppers are in charge. The ants are building the food for them. And the grasshoppers, the ants overhear the grasshoppers talking. And it's a animated, in case you hadn't figured that out by now. And the grasshoppers are overheard saying, if the ants ever figure out that them together are stronger than us, we're done. And they knew it. The grasshoppers knew that. You know what? If the people of God were willing to stand up for what's right, if we're willing to stand up for what's true, the enemy didn't have a foot to stand on. But instead, we like to argue and bicker, and we like to find our group of people that we really agree with on everything. And that person, I, I just, nice person, but I just don't quite agree with them. So I don't really want to be, no, that's not what God called us to do. 
We've got to quit fighting amongst ourselves. We need to start remembering to keep the focus where the focus should be. Let's keep the main thing the main thing, and that's Jesus. That's the main thing. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Two of the reasons that we do fight amongst ourselves so much is because, well, obviously we live in a world that's broke by sin. It just is. And we deal with two pretty major things, and one of them is pride. And the other one is selfishness. If it weren't for those two things, we might get along a little better. But everybody's got it. We were born that way. We live in a world that's broken, and the only person that can fix it is Jesus. He has come to fix it, but we still live here, and we still deal with pride, and we still deal with selfishness. If you don't believe me, ask somebody to do something. This isn't entirely fair to say that either. But ask somebody to do something when they're busy. And it's really hard to do. I've, I'm no different than anybody else. You call, Maybe that's not fair to call that selfishness. But really, if we're trying to follow the example that Christ set, that's the reason that he came. It's really hard sometimes for me to remember that really the only thing that matters is people in the world. We can't take anything else with us. We can take people take our friends we can take everybody so am I willing to set my busyness aside set my priorities that I think are important aside to focus on what God would like me to focus on Ephraim and Gilead are not doing this they're getting jealous Ephraim's getting jealous because they weren't invited to the fight and then Jephthah doesn't really consult the Lord he just gets upset and he gets his army back together and they start wiping out the Ephraimites. So they take control of the, the fords where the Jordan River was shallower. So any Ephraimite that got away is going to go back across the Jordan River home. So they got to get home. There's a few places that they can get across the Jordan because it's a pretty big river, but they had shallow spots or whatever bridge. I don't know what they had. And so the Gileadites took control of these places. That way they knew the Ephraimites had to come there to get home. I, sometimes I think God has a sense of humor in how he does things. Because they come to the river, and they couldn't just tell automatically whether they were an Ephraimite or not. They couldn't tell that. But they asked one word, one question. Are you from Ephraim? Nope, not me. No, I'm not. Okay, one question. Say the word Shibboleth. For some reason, the people of Ephraim could not say that correctly. They would say Sibboleth. They couldn't say the sh part of it. And if they, I can't imagine being asked that question and knowing that if you get the answer wrong, it's all over for you. Sorry. 42,000 people died because of this little spat that Gilead and Ephraim had. 42,000 people. I don't know how many of them were right there at the river crossing when they couldn't say this word right. It sounds like quite a few. They couldn't say the word right. Sorry, that's the end of the line for you. These are God's people. These are the children of God. And because one of them was jealous and the other one had a temper, 42,000 people died. That's what happened because of jealousy and a temper. How many times do I find myself or do we find ourselves in one of those situations? Maybe it's pride or maybe it's selfishness, or maybe it's jealousy, or maybe it's a temper tantrum. 
Do we end up not killing people, but do we end up breaking relationships off because we have lost perspective of why we're here? These guys, it sounds like lost that perspective. They entered the promised land together as a whole tribe or as a whole nation of Israel. They came into the promised land together and they didn't do exactly as the Lord told them to do, as we're finding out through Judges. They sinned, they cried out to God, He came and helped them, He sent someone to help them. And the process goes over and over and over again. They all came into the land together, they all left Egypt together as one nation. And now they find themselves fighting amongst themselves. Can you imagine what people watching you and I when we can't get along? Can you imagine what that does to our testimony? Can you imagine what that does to our witness? If we say, I want to be a light, I want to be a witness for God, I want to share God's love with people, and then I don't get along with my brother or sister in Christ, can you imagine what that does to my witness or to your witness? And sometimes I want to, I have to, I want to and have to both remind myself that. If I get in a situation that I maybe don't quite agree, and it, again, it has nothing to do with salvation. I just have my opinion, and they have their opinion, and they kind of clash a little bit, and I have to remind myself, what is the most important? What's more important? Is it more important that I'm right and they're wrong, or is it more important that God receive all the glory and honor for this? And if I can remember quick enough to think about that, boy, we can save ourselves a lot of heartache. We can save ourselves a lot of fighting between each other. Ephraim and Gilead didn't do so well with 42,000 people that died. Nobody won. You can say, well, Jephthah killed, yeah, well, okay, if you're talking about the actual battle, he won the battle, but they didn't win because these are their own countrymen. They didn't win. Nobody won. There's no winners. When we fight and bicker amongst each other, there's no winners. The enemy wins. That's the only person that wins. It's not me or it's not you. It's not me proving that I'm right or you proving that you're right. We nobody wins. So if we keep moving on after Jephthah, there are three minor judges, and it was interesting, it doesn't say very much, I read through it, but it's interesting how different these, these people were wealthy would be the common thought because they had so big, such big families. Uh, and it goes from Jephthah, who has completely cut off his family line, to the next three, or at least two of the three, that had a lot of kids. Very wealthy. They judged Israel. They were minor judges, and so they maybe didn't, again, they weren't out conquering different countries or conquering people. They were maybe just sitting and actually answering questions, helping people with their problems, and, and, and doing it that way. But between these three minor judges, they covered about 25 years. And this was right after Jephthah was done. You notice that it's not saying anymore that there was, there was peace in the land. It doesn't say that anymore because that's not happening. There may have been a little bit of rest. There may have been a little bit of a break in the fighting, but there was not peace in the land again. And that, had, that has changed. And you know, time after time after time of the people of Israel falling away from God, worshiping all these idols, and that is, I think, one of the consequences that they had, that they were given for disobeying so many times, 
so many times, so many times. There are consequences for sin. And I really feel like that was one of them for the people of Israel, is that there wasn't peace in the land anymore. They may have had rest from the people attacking, but there was not peace in the land anymore. So 25 years, these three minor judges ruled. And then the next one, and I'm just going to briefly introduce this today. It'll be a couple weeks, three weeks before we get to it. But the next judge that comes is Samson. And everybody knows the story of Samson. You've read it. Samson um, is an interesting character. I'm going to read, I think I might read through chapter 13, just to kind of set up where we're going with Samson. Manoah, which is Samson's father's name, his name means rest, which is what the children of Israel did not have at this time. I'm going to read chapter 13 of Judges. Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O oh my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. Then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said to him, Look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me. So Manoah arose and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Manoah said, Now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you, and we will prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name, that when your words come to pass, we may honor you? And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering, and offered it upon the rocks to the Lord, and he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. It happened as the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. When the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, because we have seen God. But his wife said to him, If the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have 
told us such things as these at this time. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahanah Dan between Zorah and Eshtiel. So here we introduce Samson, probably one of the one of the most told stories of Judges. Now it says the children of Israel fell away from the Lord. It didn't say this time that they cried out for help. For 40 years the Philistines oppressed them. And then God comes through Manoah and his wife. It doesn't mention her name, but he appeared, the angel of the Lord appears to his wife. And Manoah wanting to uh, make sure he understands what's supposed to happen with his soon-to-be son wants to uh, clarify, can you just come back again and, and clarify for me how I'm supposed to raise my son? And if you want to read more about the Nazarite vow, which Samson was under, it's in Numbers chapter 6. Um, it talks about the Nazarite vow, but Samson was to be set apart. He was to be set apart. He was to be different. Uh, the children of Israel were set apart as well. And it's interesting to me how the story of the life of Samson, as we get into it, really follows along the story of the children of Israel. They're set apart. They're supposed to be set apart, but yet they broke about every single one of those laws. And, as, and Samson does the same thing as we will see in the next few weeks. They're talking to this angel, not realizing that it's an angel, and sometimes I have a hard time understanding how we could not realize, how they could not realize that it was an angel. If somebody appears to you, um, it seems like you, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I guess I've never had an angel appear to me, so I don't know what it would be like. But after they offer this sacrifice and the angel ascends up into heaven, then they realize, or they ascends up with the fire, they realize that this was a messenger from the Lord. And now the common thought was, if you ever see God, you're going to die. But his wife speaks some wisdom and says, well, if he was wanting to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted our offering, and he wouldn't have told us how to raise our son, and he wouldn't have told us all these things. And it's really interesting, right at the end... <clears throat> Of that, it says, the last verse, it says, the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. Now, Samson did not do everything right by any means at all. In fact, it's amazing to me some of the things that he did and God still used him, which is a very good reminder for me that God will still use me. Even though I, we live in a world that's broken by sin, he still wants to use me. At what times do we feel the Spirit stirring in us. If we're listening, like Paul said, we might hear it. But I know for me, there's probably a lot of times that I'm probably not paying attention and I just don't hear it. Are we willing, are, are we at a place in our life or are we, are we standing on His truth? Are we staying in communication with Him enough that we recognize when the Holy Spirit is stirring something inside of us. Do we recognize what that is? Can we recognize it? We can if we're paying attention, but we have to be paying attention. Two things this morning to take away from here. Let's get along with each other. And I'm not saying that we don't. It's just that as, a, as the church in general, we don't. We split hairs and I said this, and you said this, and therefore we don't agree. Well, maybe we don't, but the bottom line is if we agree on who Jesus is and what he's done, then we can agree, and we can agree to disagree. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that as long as it doesn't affect salvation, as long as it doesn't go against what Scripture says. 
we can agree to disagree. That's okay. But let's not, let's not let our witness be that we don't get along with people. Let's let our witness be that we can learn to get along with people. We don't have to agree on everything. We just need to agree on the main things. And the second one is, when the Holy Spirit stirs something in you, I want you to pay attention. I've said this before. If the Holy Spirit wakes you up in the middle of the night prompting you to pray for me, please do. And I will do the same. Because we never know what's going on. We can't see the whole picture. We can't see what's really going to happening. But the Holy Spirit does. God knows what's going on. And he knows if I can wake somebody up to pray for somebody else. And then we can, re- in turn, we can give glory to God. When we see what happens. The main thing is that Jesus is alive. Jesus is well. I am going to, I think, have the worship team come back up here if you would. And play that last song that you sang, that we sang today. I want everybody to stand up. The one who was and is and is to come. And we're going to sing that again. I'm going to pray. And when we're done with the song, you can be dismissed. Don't forget, baptism right after service. Um, If you want to follow us there, you're welcome to to do that. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, that we can meet here. Lord, we don't have to agree on everything. We just have to agree on who you are. And I pray that you would help us to keep our focus there. I pray that we can uh, not forget to keep our priorities in, in line. And I just pray that, that Holy Spirit, as you stir in us and as you bring different things, thoughts to mind, Lord, we just pray that you would help us to be listening, to be aware, and to be able to return the glory and the honor to you. Thank you, Father, for your love for us. In your name we pray. Amen.